beginning in verse four of Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse four. If you have it, say amen. amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth rather all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We'll stop there. Tonight I'm preaching on this subject, the prescription for peace. The prescription for peace. I hope you understand the world is searching for peace. Not only our world that we live in, but the people in the church are looking for peace. It's something we can attain it's something that God wants to give us. But it's, uh, it's hard to get to a place because we have to understand truly how we can get it. Because today, and, and I, please just bear with me just for a few moments. I promise, as I say often, I do have a point and I will get, get to it very shortly. But I gotta, I gotta start off by telling us this. We live in a world of worry, we do. And, and actually it's, and I don't, I don't wanna bring up any, any, any negativity, but it's, it's, we live in a world of anxiety now. And, and anxiety really is simply ex, excessive worry. Worry that really never ends. And, 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 and it's so much that it begins to affect our daily life. If, 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 if I raised your hand and I, and I say, by show of hands, how many of you worry or have worried about something? I pray everyone in here would raise their hand because I would be the only one because I do. I, we worry. Worry is, is something that's, I would say, common among people, regardless if you're saved or not. But anxiety is on a whole different level. It brings harm, not only physically, but spiritually and psychologically. Um, when you research it, there, you can find there's a lot of different sources. I won't go into all that because this isn't a medical TV show tonight, but there's a lot of different sources where anxiety can come from. Most researchers will tell you that a, a lot of times it's come and, and the main source comes from a traumatic event in someone's life, whether it be in childhood, middle-aged or adulthood. And it plagues them so much that, they, that their history, they can't get rid of the history. The past that they live in runs after them on a daily basis. And here's the problem. And here's why it has creeped into the church because the enemy uses that as a tool to number one, tell you that if you have anxiety, that you're a sinner. And number two, to tell you that if you have anxiety or in a place where you are worried and it never ends, that there's no hope or help from you, that God does not understand, he does not hear you, and you cannot have peace. 
May I remind you the devil is a liar. All types of people deal with anxiety and I would say if I would, and I'm not gonna embarrass anybody, but there's a lot of people under in these four walls that deal with it. The enemy not only wanted you to experience that traumatic event in your life, but he wants you to feel it every day of your life. And you say, Brian, why would you start the message this way? Because Paul is writing a letter to a bunch of anxious people. He is. He's writing this letter. It's actually uh, his, you know, it's his second trip. It's his second letter rather. And his first trip rather to, uh, to, to Philippi, to that area, to Macedonia, it landed him in jail. You remember that trip in Acts? Remember when he got there, he was preaching Jesus and they threw him in jail because he was doing something good and preaching Jesus. So he ended up having church in chains with Paul and Silas, right? They gathered together. They were at midnight. They began to pray. They began to shout and they were set free. We all know of that, that time, right? In the book of Acts. Now he's writing this letter because the church, the Christians in Philippi, they're now, Roman government has now taken over this area. And so now they are being persecuted the same way Paul was being persecuted when he was thrown in prison. And so now they're being persecuted. Now they're beginning to worry. Now they're doing something good and it's going against them. And so Paul is trying to write this letter to tell them, number one, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've been there, I've been imprisoned. And actually, he's writing this letter in prison. He's in Rome writing this letter and to tell them, hey, I know what you've been through. I, went, I was in prison before for doing right and doing good and doing what I felt God wanted me to do and I faced persecution. Now I'm here again and I'm writing you this letter to tell you I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I've been there. And he writes them this letter specifically in chapter four and he gives them this outline and he gives them really this prescription on how they're gonna be able to handle this persecution and this anxiety because obviously he's speaking to some Christians that are beginning to worry and it's beginning to affect their lives. Now I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt like you you cannot get out of the situation you're in and the devil hops on your back and he begins to tell you that there's no hope, that there's no peace, that you'll never have a good night's sleep anymore, that you're gonna to have to fight this the rest of your life. Listen, we have a prescription tonight that we can take to give us peace. And I'm thankful the word of God gives us hope and he gives us that promise. And I think I'm preaching to some people tonight or I don't believe God would have laid this on my heart for this evening. They're going through some stuff. You're going through some things and you say, Brian, I want a message on heaven. And as our pastor preached today, what a powerful message that was. Listen, we've still got, we still got to live on this earth to get to that place called heaven where there is perfect peace. And until then, we can have peace of God and peace with God if we follow the prescription here in chapter four. And so he begins to give him this prescription and, and, and we have to understand they're, they're getting in trouble for doing something good and doing something right. They're getting persecuted for doing the right thing. 
And I'm telling you what, in, in these days in which we live, especially over this last year, I have never seen so much persecution come against a, a people of God for just doing the right thing. Do you understand people hate the Rubyville Community Church because we give? Is that not the right thing to do? It is. It is. We, we've given several hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't say that braggadociously. I don't say that like, look at us. No, I'm just telling you, God gives it and we give it out and he keeps sending it and we give it back out again. You cannot outgive the Lord. And we have well over a dozen ministries, probably close to 20 ministries now that through this church are supported every single month to go out and reach others for Jesus Christ. We'll never be able to reach the people that they're reaching, but through this church, not only nationally, but internationally, we're able to see people come to Christ. And guess what? People are mad. And I hate to tell you, but it's other churches. We try to do right, we try to do good, and people get upset. Wow, why in the world will they do fireworks on July 4th? Don't they know how much money that costs? They could be giving that money to the poor. Don't, don't argue with people like that. It's stupidity, it's ignorance. They have no idea what they're talking about. But we're gonna keep giving because it's the right thing to do. This isn't in my notes, but it's still good preaching. And it don't matter if, if, if they like it or not. It still doesn't release us from the fact this is what we're supposed to do and what God's called us to do. He's put our church here for such a time as this. And really, if, it, if, we're, causing a, if we're causing a stir among the enemy, we're probably doing something right anyway. So Paul, thank you. So Paul here, he, these people are doing good. They're doing things for Christ. They're preaching the kingdom of God and they're anxious. They're beginning to worry because the persecution is coming. So he gives them this prescription to give them peace. Number one, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Now I think it's funny on this four point outline, in my opinion, most preachers would have put this at the very end. This is the great way to end a sermon. We're gonna rejoice. But Paul puts it at the very beginning of his sermon. Why? Why did he do that? I'll tell you why. <laughs> because the joy should always be at the introduction. <laughs> the joy should always be at the beginning. Why? Because we're not waiting on God to do something, then rejoice. We're rejoicing now for when he does it in the future. That's what real praise is. That's what real worship is. We're praising him in advance. Well, I love he said rejoice. That word simply means to joy again. And the enemy's gonna get even madder than he is already. Why, because he can't shut us up. If you're getting ready to get into, and the persecution is coming, the best thing you can do to get the devil to shut up is just to continue, praise God. <laughs> you, may, you may not have the answer. You may not know what you're going through, what you're going through. You don't have the diagnosis yet. The doctors haven't told you the reports. The best thing to do, don't worry about it. Just rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You know what Paul was saying? I know what it means to need deliverance, but I'm gonna shout again. 
I know what it means to be bound, but I'm still going to shout. I know what it means to face persecution. I've been through it. I've been whipped. I've been chained. I've been beaten. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to shout again. Hallelujah. It don't matter tonight if you're bound. If you've got all these problems that you're going through, just remember, continue to shout. Keep on shouting. Keep on shouting. Regardless of what the devil throws at you, rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't let what's going on around you control you. You control it by shouting again. Keep on shouting. And if you haven't shouted yet, start. You'll find it's a lot easier to do it again once you start shouting. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord. Secondly, notice this. Not only do we rejoice in the Lord to get peace, but we reflect the Lord. Look at what he says in verse five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known to all men. Unto all men, the Lord is at hand. So he's telling us, first of all, we gotta rejoice. And why we are rejoicing is because the Lord we serve is always in control. And because he's in control, it says, this is, this is a funny little phrase, but he says we're supposed to have moderation. Now you all know I love word studies and I love to break things down. So here's what that word means. It means to be mild, it means to be patient, and literally it means Don't go to extremes. So you say, well, what does that that help us? How does that help us have peace when we're going through anxious times and we have to live in an ungodly world? How does that give us peace? Number one, we rejoice. Always start by rejoicing in the Lord. But secondly, reflect the Lord. And we reflect him by not jumping to extremes. And here's the problem. As soon as we get the news, as soon as we get the the situation, we automatically want to assume the worst. We automatically want to go to the negative side of things. And I don't understand how, how, and please, please bear with me here. I'm not not, not downing anybody or or making fun of anybody's state, but I don't understand how a Christian can one second be fine and then the next very second lose all control. Say, Brian, you don't know what I've been through. I understand that, but you don't know the God I serve. When we live our lives And not go to extremes, that simply means we don't fly off the handle whenever life gets out of control. Because life will get out of control. But always remember, our God is always in control. So, we have to realize this. When the enemy comes and tries to use those devices and get us down... If we respond to him, that means we're letting him have control over us. 
What you do is when he comes at you with these devices or whatever it is to try to get you and flip you over or to get you out of control or to lose your mind, give it to God. Let him respond for you. Be moderate. Why should we be moderate? Because the Lord is at hand. Now we automatically read that and we think it's talking about the second coming, but that's not what he's talking about here. If you break it down, what it literally means is he is with us. If someone is at hand, that means he's right next to me. He says, we don't have to lose control. We don't have to go off the deep end if we know that Jesus is right beside us. Because when you're going through things, if, if this is the stuff I'm going through, the best thing for me to do is just turn it over to the one that's at hand. And when I turn it over to him, that means he has control. I don't even have control over it. Because if I had control over it, I definitely would mess it up. But hallelujah, if I give it to him and know that I don't have to worry or struggle with it, praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, he's always in control and he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Hallelujah. We've got to rejoice in the Lord. We've got to reflect the Lord. And then notice this, we have to rely on the Lord. Look at what he says in verse six. In verse six, he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. That word, if you, what, that, that's where the anxiety comes from. He was telling them, be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing. But, but what that literally means is that word careful in the Greek means to come apart at the seams, okay? So he was telling him, I know you're facing some things you never thought you'd ever face and you're doing right. The Lord is with you. He's at hand. He's not gonna leave you. He's not gonna forsake you. So don't come apart at the seams. Don't lose control. It's a picture of a hem on a, on a piece of clothing and you begin to pull it and before you know it, the whole garment's messed up. You don't even recognize it anymore. That's what the devil wants to do with you. He wants to take the situation you're facing right now and he wants you to come apart at the seams. And he says, the, the same word, interestingly enough, if you do a cross-reference of it, you'll find it in Matthew chapter six. These same words, this same word was spoken by Jesus Christ when he says, what take you thought for, for your raiment? He said, if, if, if I can clothe the lilies of the field, if I can take care of the sparrows, and they're, I'm paraphrasing here, and they're not my children, how much more am I gonna take care of you? Amen. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What was he telling us? We don't have to worry. If he takes care of the birds of the air, if he takes care of the flowers of the field, and they're not even his children, how much more is he gonna take care of us? Don't have to worry. What, what do we do then? To get this peace, we gotta rejoice, we gotta reflect, but we gotta rely on God. He says in everything, by prayer and supplication. Now we'll read that and we'll automatically think that's, those are the same things, but it's not. 
If we break it down, what, what it means is prayer is simply this. In this instance, it means just to talk to God. But supplication is asking specifically for things. See, he puts them in order here. Because God just doesn't want us to enter into his presence and start asking him for stuff. Because he adds a condition to it, doesn't he, Darren? He said, prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. When you enter into the presence of God, I would advise you very strongly, enter to his gates with thanksgiving and enter to his courts with praise. I would just start talking to him and start thanking him for what he's already done in your life and what he's going to do in your life. Just worship him and praise him and pray to him and say, Lord, you brought me this far. You know what I'm going through. I'm not gonna ask you for nothing because I already know you're gonna take care of me because you took care of me yesterday. You're taking care of me today, and I know you're going to take care of me tomorrow. So, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank you. But while I'm doing all that, I'm going to ask you specifically for some things. And when I'm asking you, I'm going to thank you. I'm not going to thank you after you do it. I'm gonna thank you before you do it because I don't wanna have to catch up on my praise after you, do, after you answer my prayer. I want to thank you. So he's basically saying when you get to this point, you, you're worshiping instead of worrying. So we rejoice, we rely, we reflect the Lord. But then he says when we do all those things, Look at what happens in verse seven. We find our rest because he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's saying when you rejoice, when you reflect and you don't, don't lose control, when you rely and you thank him, but you ask him, in turn, notice, notice this, and it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It does not say that God will answer your prayer. But he says, he'll give you peace. Wow, he does not say that he will answer your specific prayer, but he does say he'll give you peace. That's what his response is. If you do those things and you're worrying about all these, the things that are coming, things that have happened, are happening and maybe never happen, he said, I'm not, I'm not gonna answer your prayer the way you think I'm going to, but I'm gonna give you peace. Peace of God, which passeth all understanding. I don't want to single her out. And she's, bless her, I know she's watching. And Ted's here tonight. But as Marty was getting these diagnoses and, and going through the hospital, and, and Pastor can, can affirm what I'm trying to say. You go in and you talk to her. She's like, I don't know what's happening. But I've got peace. 
And Ted said the same thing. He said, we've got peace about the whole situation. And see, how can people, and this is what just boggles the mind of other people, especially non-believers. How in the world can she go through all of that and be going through this? And, and there's others in here. We could, we could be here till Jesus comes telling you about the people going through some awful stuff right now. How in the world are you able to come to the house of God and lift your hands and praise the Lord? How are you able to do it? I'll tell you why. It's peace. You can't understand it. You can't explain it. But hallelujah, you got it. The peace of God. And there's nothing that ever takes the place of having the peace of God. Why does he give you unexplainable peace? Why does he give that to you? Because you don't have to know the answer. All you gotta know is that he's given you peace. And the peace that he gives you that passes knowledge and passes all understanding is this. He gives you that peace to when you do get the answer that you can handle the response that he gives you. Because sometimes it isn't what you exactly you prayed for. Sometimes you gotta walk through some mountains. Sometimes you gotta walk through some valleys. Sometimes you gotta walk through some dark places. But before you got to that point, he gave you peace. And by him giving you peace, you're able to handle what you're about ready to walk through. But aren't you glad tonight? I'd rather I have the peace of God in my heart and in my life and then to walk through things without him. He'll give you that settled peace to be able to handle whatever comes your way. But notice this, the peace of God is a result of peace with God. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. So tonight, if you don't know Jesus, and Samuel, get ready to sing the invitation song. If you don't know the Lord, and you're going through life's mess, and you wonder how in the world am I gonna do it? Friend, you'll never have the peace of God until you have peace with God, and that's the first thing you need to do. And I guarantee you'll be surprised just getting peace with God how much easier you'll be able to walk through life knowing that you have someone there with you that's always at hand. Isn't it wonderful to have something at hand when you need it? Thankfully the Lord is at hand. Whatever you're going through tonight we could have gotten into details. We could have gotten into specifics, but there's no need. You know exactly what you're facing. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your family. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's coming your way. And we say it a lot. You don't have to have the answer. But just come and ask for peace. And he'll give it.